This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Welcome to our Ion Annapolis election 2021 podcast series for the city of Annapolis. Just a few quick notes for you. We reached out to every candidate running for office in the city of Annapolis to ask for their participation. Some participated, some didn't respond, and others responded, and we just weren't able to find a common time to record. It should be noted that in those circumstances, the candidates were usually running unopposed. These are unedited, so the ums and the ahs and the coughs and everything else are all still in place. This is deliberate, so you can hear the candidate raw. All of the candidates were asked the same questions, to be fair, except for one, which was specific to that candidate. We started out with some wider-reaching city questions and then got into some more specific ward questions. Ballots should have hit your mailboxes already if you live in the city of Annapolis, and it is important to exercise your right to vote, so please make sure you do. It's also very critical that you cast a vote that is right for you. Not what your neighbor has said, not based on something you heard, do your own research and vote for the best candidate for you. And we hope that these interviews will help you in that process. And I do need to thank all of the candidates that have decided to get into this mess we call politics. Win or lose, these folks all care for Annapolis and have a passion to serve, and I appreciate their willingness to do so. With that said... Let's have a listen. We're back here in West Annapolis, again, outside of Bean Rush Cafe. And this time we are sitting down with Scott Gibson, who is the aldermanic candidate for Ward 2, or I should say is a aldermanic candidate for Ward 2. And we wanted to sit down and just talk about some city issues, talk about some ward issues and uh, some issues about you. Not nearly issues, but we'll figure that out and find out um, why somebody would want to vote for you as we go. So, um, I mean, if we get right into it with... You know, a city this small, it's not real fair to look at percentages. If we have a m- murder last year and we have two murders this year, our murder rate has gone up 100%. And that's not very fair. I mean, let's, let's be realistic. Um, but we do have crime in the city. And how do you assure constituents in Ward 2 that the city is safe and that the police are doing a good job of what they're doing? I understand the concerns that we're hearing from lots of citizens. You're right, percentages can sound very bloated, but the reality is we had one murder in the city four years ago, four murders the year after that. We had six murders last year, and we're at four murders this year. So that's that's a pretty steady rise in murder. <clears throat> and that doesn't include some things like people who were shot and not killed. We know when Sean McGowan was murdered along Clay Street that two teenage girls were shot and injured. Um, luckily, they survived. It doesn't count the number of times the bullets miss. Just a couple weeks ago, we had a bullet lodged in a, a door on Clay Street. Uh, I think it's fair for some citizens to criticize the mayor when he said that Annapolis is a safe community. Look, when we're seeing numbers like this, I don't think it's the time to have one in five police positions unfilled. And this summer, you know, we were reporting a 20 percent vacancy rate in our police department. Um, Crime is one of those areas where it really does highlight there's two Annapolises still, despite our efforts. So what I think we need to do, I think we need to zero in on filling those police vacancies. You know, I I do understand that nationwide this is a problem, but I think it's a worse challenge here in the city of Annapolis. When you look at the Associated Press reporting, large cities like Philadelphia were sounding the alarm at a 10% vacancy rate. We're double that. But I think it goes deeper than that. Um, look at the council's work session with the police chief just a few weeks ago on September 23rd. It's clear that there is distrust between the police force and the city council. 
Look, I'm all for reasonable reform. I've been published in the Capitol twice calling for reasonable reforms, independence and investigations of police misconduct, expanding what is applicable under the Public Information Act. But we need to work together. And right now we have a city council and a police force that seem to be at odds. I think the first issue we've got to address when it comes to creating one Annapolis is being honest about our flaws. And it's still fair to say that violent crime is part of the lived experience in many neighborhoods in our city, including some neighborhoods in Ward 2. Okay. Well, just and for those that are listening, Ward 2 is West Annapolis. It's like the neighborhood of, of Wardour. It's got Admiral Heights over by the Naval Academy Stadium. But you do also have Clay Street in this ward, which yeah. sort of tucks in – against Ward 1, which is the historic downtown district. Yeah, you may hear people refer to it as the Old Fourth Ward. It was a historic black community. Um, At one point, a really thriving community. In the 60s, however, unfortunately, um, our local government decided to seize many of the black and Jewish-owned businesses in that neighborhood and raise them in the name of urban development. The Whitmore Garage, which serves mainly as county employee parking, is what we built in its place. Um, but the Clay Street neighborhood, unfortunately, has has been walled off from much of the city and had a very different experience than most of us enjoy in Annapolis for a long time because of city action. Right. Well, I'll tell you, there's it doesn't really affect Ward 2 directly, I guess, but we've all been there. A car wrecks on Forest Drive or someplace like that. A pole falls down, a tree falls down or something like that. And all of a sudden, it's an Annapolis apocalypse with traffic. It is, And that's sort of a, I guess, a... a, a a side benefit, not the word, right word, but of development and of perhaps overdevelopment and whatnot there. Traffic with, you know, with development comes people, with comes people, comes traffic with cars and everything else. And that's a huge part of the quality of life of anywhere, any community you're in. Um, Again, as an alderman, what specifically can you do to balance the whole development capacity type of a thing that we've got going on in the city. So I think to be fair, it's not just a sign of development. It's a sign of poor development. So the big challenge here in Annapolis is that because we are a city of peninsulas, we have a lot of roads that are the main or single artery into an area, and there's no parallel path to divert traffic to if that backs up. What will solve the forest drive issue more than anything is when we extend Skipper's Lane. But we need to be reasonable about how we handle development, and we need to plan for development better. This city has a reputation for moving the goal lines uh, on projects when they're under progress. We need to recognize that development is going to happen. This, this is an attractive place to be. Businesses want to be here. Families want to be here. We need to plan for smart development. That includes parallel paths on roads. I also think it means when we think through our transportation systems, we need to talk about walkability and bikeability. I know here in Ward 2 there are lots of folks who would love to walk from Admiral Heights to West Annapolis, ride their bike from Admiral Heights to West Annapolis instead of getting in their car. But there really isn't a safe means for doing that. So when we design our roads and our traffic standards, we also need to keep in mind things like, is there good sidewalk infrastructure? Are there bike lanes? Uh, Because that'll help with traffic as well. Okay. Um, Annapolis is expensive. It's uh, not a cheap place to live. We have an awful lot of services, and some people will say that our workforce is bloated. Some will feel that it needs more employees working for the city. Um, We pay taxes upon taxes. We do pay a city tax on top of a county tax, Uh, although we do get a little bit of a discount from the county tax. But do you feel Annapolis is a good value? So our our tax burden is about 35 percent higher than the surrounding area. Uh, When it comes to value, I think it's hard to say that somebody who lives just across Route 2 in the unincorporated part of the county has a, a lower quality of life than we do. They also have easy access to downtown and our businesses. Um, in fact, they have access to businesses in the county. 
Um, they have access to public water and sewer just like we do. I think what this calls out is that Annapolis has kind of maintained this go-it-alone mentality, which has forced it to be inefficient. Let's take water and sewer, for example. Years ago, the city and the county combined efforts on the sewer system. And as a result, if you're a, a taxpayer or a ratepayer in the city of Annapolis, you're paying pretty close to the rate that the county ratepayer is playing. Uh, on water, on the other hand, we've maintained this go-it-alone mentality. And because of that, we're paying a rate that's, that's significantly higher than what a county person is or a county resident is paying. I've been on record calling for looking at combining services with the county in some okay, areas. Okay, so you're cheating. You're reading my notes here because that's that, that's my that's my that's my fourth and final city question, and we'll, we can just get right into it. But I mean, there is talk about merging different services from the city into the county, uh, or at least having the discussion. Okay, we the county obviously has to be willing to agree to that as well as the city does. But what services, I guess, and I'm, I'm going to interrupt you because you were probably going there anyway. But what services, if any, are you looking at that you think? or if any, may be mergeable. Yeah, so I would argue that we should take a wide approach to this conversation. Um, You know, I'm cautious about fire service and police service, but they should be on the table in some respects. I think water makes sense because of what we've done with sewer. So I was starting to say, you know, where we combined our sewer systems, we now see the the city taxpayer, the city ratepayer, is paying a lot less. Their rate is much more comparable to the county rate. We could replicate that on the water side where the uh, the Annapolis ratepayer is paying a much higher water rate than the county ratepayer is. For me... This is about becoming efficient so we can be smarter with how we invest our $152 million budget because we have a lot of unmet needs. We're we're not funding a lot of priorities. And I simply think $152 million is enough to have vibrant youth programming, to be making major investments in infrastructure for walking and bikeability, to be tackling traffic calming, to make sure that the police department is fully staffed. I run a really large nonprofit. I run a nonprofit with a budget that's over $100 million. It's, It's on scale with the city. And for us, we're never afraid of reinventing ourselves because we know if we get more efficient at delivering our mission, then we can deepen our investment in our mission. This go it alone mentality on some of these services, it's costing. There's an opportunity cost to it. It means that we're not able to meet other needs that our community has wanted to have addressed. So I'm all for looking at merging services. I do think it has to be on the table, and we have to have a serious conversation about it, not the traditional Annapolis kind of political football where we just keep punting it back and forth, and we say we're going to do it, but then we don't, or we appoint a citizen task force, and then we ignore their opinions and their report. This is something we need to take seriously. I would start with water and sewer. I've also been on record saying we should look at transportation. We go it alone on mass transit. Well, the reality is, for the average Annapolitan, if you're relying on mass transit, you're going to need to leave the city. Go to the hospital, go to the health department, go to the community college. There, there are several things that push us you know, outside of our city lines. Years ago, there was a study that was done that told us that if we combined into a regional transportation system, we would save a million dollars a year. That was just by eliminating overhead and some management. We could save a million dollars a year. If the city saved a million dollars a year, that would address one-third of what they're projecting will be the structural deficit next year. One simple change. And it wouldn't cut service. It wouldn't affect the quality of service. If anything, it would improve service because we would have a more connected transit system that made it easier for somebody to get from the heart of Annapolis to Anne Arundel Community College. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you, let's slide, let's slide over into some word-specific questions for you. Uh, and this one's fairly easy, but I mean, and every ward has different issues and everything else. But what is the most pressing issue facing Ward 2 residents today, in your opinion? And what can you do about it? 
You know, Ward 2 is an interesting ward because there, there's a, a diverse number of communities. And I hear two big challenges depending upon what side of the ward I'm on. Right now we're in West Annapolis, and I hear a lot about traffic calming in West Annapolis and Emerald Heights and even a little bit in Homewood, Germantown. Behind you is Melvin Avenue, and the West Annapolis Civic Association has been working with the city for years to try to get traffic calming. I don't think that the challenge here is a will. I mean, the community has strong representation, and they clearly want it. The challenge is that the city uses outdated traffic standards. They over-rely on the 85% rule and accident data um, to make any decisions, and that means they're resistant to some of these traffic design changes that the community is calling for. I think we need to have a citywide conversation about what is the appropriate traffic standard for this city if we want walkability, if we want calmer roads. But as I move over to Taylor Avenue and Glenwood Avenue and Clay Street, there's a growing concern about crime. I mean, it's just part of the reality over there. Clay Street's had two murders within the last 12 months. Uh, Sean McGowan last October, uh, you know, the the, uh, woman who was murdered at the hotel, that bullet originated from Pleasant Street. That's an intersection with, with Clay Street. And I had a neighbor tell me, and it was shocking to hear, she's like, you know, if that bullet had traveled in the other direction... I don't know that it would have gotten the attention it got. And while I would like to think that she's wrong, I mean, evidence kind of tells me she's right. We still haven't found Sean McGowan's murderer. There wasn't $60,000 worth of reward money. They had another incident more recently where a bullet was lodged in the door. We, We need to definitely invest in community policing. We need to build relationships between the community and the police force. We can't do that when the police force has a 20% vacancy rate. And so I think that's a critical issue for Ward 2 residents as well. Okay. Um, How do you plan to communicate with your constituents? And I guess, what is your preferred means of being contacted? So I plan to have a completely open door policy. And today that also means a digital open door policy with my constituents. I've accepted every single invitation to speak that has been sent to me as a candidate. Um, Even groups where folks told me, oh, you don't want to talk there. They're not going to support you. I still go. If, if you show me the respect of an invitation or passing along a question, I'm going to show you the respect of an earnest answer. Um, so I'm going to keep accepting those invitations. Uh, I'm very good on, on Facebook. You know, I'm responding to comments there. In fact, I'm doing an Ask Me Anything segment every Monday where, I mean, it, it's an open door. The other day, I had somebody asked me if I was shooting from a basement apartment. Fortunately, it was just a little small office in my house, but <laughs> I get it. It could look that way. Um, but, I mean, anything's on the table. I'm responding to text message, email. Um, I'm out and about in the community. I'm going door to door every week. You know, obviously, that won't be a 52 day or 52 week a year, four year uh, endeavor. But I expect to see me at the community association meetings, expect to see me having town halls where I'm inviting people in to talk, but also expect to see me being responsive to uh, email and to messages through Facebook. I really want to stay part of the community. Um, I've actually committed, if I'm elected, I'm not going, I'm going to donate back my salary. I'm going to put together a committee of community leaders to help me figure out I don't which know many people that can afford to, to give back that much money. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's a modest salary. My wife and I aren't wealthy, but what's really driving me to do this is giving back to the community. And so we talked about it. We live a comfortable life. We live within our means. And so we're, we're going to use this as an opportunity to meet a lot of undressed, uh, unaddressed needs in the community. Well, I want, I want to address that for those that may not know. Uh, that was just sort of a joke because the alderman salary here in Annapolis is woefully inadequate. 
and it's it is is gradually going up. I think it's twenty thousand in the next year or something like that. It'll get to twenty thousand. So there was there was a back to the percentages can be you know a little misleading. There was a thirty one percent increase, which is taking it from the low teens to right. to twenty thousand at the end of the term. Um, it's not. It's I. That was not a diss onto Scott, and it was not making to say that there's a, a huge salary for being aldermanic, and and it is really a labor of love for anybody that's running for any of these candidates throughout the city. That's the way I look at it. Um, you know, there's a song that says, "When you give all you can, give some more." Uh, till you give your last dime, till you give all your time. And that's kind of the way I've lived my life. You know, I believe in standing up to help people. I'm, I'm always going to raise my hand and, and say I'm here to help when I see a project where I think I can make a difference. And uh, that's what's motivating me. And so, you know, I'm really inspired as I go around and I hear these stories of we need funding for a youth program at the Stanton Center because I, I hear from parents and grandparents along Clay Street. There's nothing for the kids to do or, you know, struggles to fund projects at the local elementary schools. If I can kind of invest some of that money back, it, it'll feel good. You know, I, I think it's the right thing to do. It's what I want to do because I'm coming at this from a place of service more than anything. Okay. Um, all right. Now, each ward has its own little different vibe and a little bit different um, you know, culture, I guess, is the word that you want to look at it. Now, not getting into – well, we don't have a, an incumbent running here. It's two new candidates because Alderman Payone has decided not to rerun. Um, but – do you feel that Ward 2 is adequately, and I'll use these words as a, with a slash between them, but represented, respected, recognized within the whole city hierarchy? Do you feel that they're getting up in their... Because there are some that feel forgotten. They Maybe we're too much of a bedroom community that everyone... Oh, are they part of Annapolis? <laughs> you know, type of a thing. Yeah, I, I get that. And I, I hear, you know, pretty often that people think that certain wards get all the attention, Um you know, I've knocked on doors of some civic leaders working on the Melvin Avenue issue and other issues who've said to me, if this was a downtown street, it would be getting more attention. Um, I think Ward 2 is really blessed to have a really engaged citizenry and very active community associations, whether you're talking about the West Annapolis Civic Association, the Admiral Heights Improvement Association, which I was president of for the past three years, or the Germantown Homewood Association. I, I do think it's fair to say that the... The bedroom communities of Annapolis, and Ward 2 to some extent is one of them, um, don't get as much attention as the downtown and kind of Eastport core wards. I think some of that's going to start changing. Um, You know, we're sitting along Annapolis Street, and I think this is going to become a really vibrant business corridor. You know, we've got a restaurant coming in behind us. RAR is going to replace the Mexican Cafe. I expect in a couple of years we're going to have Dining Under the Stars, West Annapolis style, and so maybe that helps draw some attention. Um, I do think it is fair to say that the city of Annapolis sometimes focuses its attention on a few wards and not on all the wards. We saw this with the Tucker Street boat ramp, right? So the Tucker Street boat ramp is, if if you're not familiar with it, it is a small boat ramp at the end of a cul-de-sac. Really well designed for, like, launching a a small Boston whaler or, you know, you're not launching a big boat from this uh, boat ramp. Well, the West Annapolis Civic Association came together and they put together what I think was a really reasonable proposal. It was anybody can have water access from the Tucker Street boat ramp. Launch your kayak, launch your stand-up paddleboard. But they wanted to restrict boat trailer parking to just residents of the city of Annapolis. Not residents of Ward 2, not residents of West Annapolis, residents of the city of Annapolis. Because there is a parking issue in West Annapolis. It's been an issue with that boat ramp for years. And it was moving along fine. And all of a sudden, an alderman who does not live in Ward 2, 
um, and who did not contact anybody who lives in Ward 2, put an amendment to completely strike this proposal and open it up nationwide. Anybody could park their boat permit. Um, the mayor voted with them. Six, uh, six aldermen, all, I think, all together ended up voting for this. They ended up reversing course finally. The mayor changed his position, and they went down to just a county and city residency requirement for the permit. But I think it's fair to walk away from that and say the city council didn't even reach out to the community leadership in Ward 2 uh, before they made this change. And, you know, if I was a member of the West Annapolis Civic Association, I'd probably take some, some disrespect from or feel disrespected by that. I mean, I think it would color my perception that, you know, the city doesn't care as much about Ward 2. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I'll tell you what, let me slide into this one question on you. And, and again, and that Ward 2 t- tends to be a little bit, little bit odd. Um, I believe you are a, at a 3-to-1 disadvantage as far as registered voters. Is that about right? 3-to-1, 2-to-1? Yeah. That, I mean, it's, so, it's, some, it's, I, it's somewhere it, in there. Okay. So it, it, there, are, there are far more Democrats in the ward. You're running as a, as a Republican. Um, this also has been held by... The office has been held by a Republican for 10 years, I think. Ten or- uh, a little longer than that. So Fred Payone's been in office about 14 years, okay. I think. And then Mike Christman held the office before him. Right. Um, um, but just looking at the numbers, um, you know, Dems to Republicans, and obviously the independents are in there, that on the surface and, you know, seems like a fairly big mountain to climb. How do you plan to swing that, that boat that, you know, you've got a— you're swimming in a sea of Democrats. I mean, this is no different than Governor Hogan was swimming in. <laughs> no, absolutely. So first, I mean, I truly believe city elections should be nonpartisan, and I've been calling for that for a while. One out of three Annapolitans is neither a Democrat nor a Republican, and so they are completely shut out from our primary system. Uh, I also, because we run partisan elections, all of our federal employees within the city can't run for office. Opening up the primaries doesn't solve that for them. I, I've seen people propose that as a solution. That doesn't solve the Hatch Act challenge. Um, we really need to move to nonpartisan elections. So how do I do that? I think the message that I've had that's resonating with folks is, is focusing on good municipal service, focusing on good management, focusing on values. At the end of the day, I think all of us want a safer city. All of us want walkability. I think if you move to Annapolis, somewhere in you, you love the water. You want clean waterways. You want a clean environment because you respect that it's in our backyard, right? You don't, you don't move to a town like this if you don't have a little love for the water. Um, so I don't think it's the, the vision at the local level that separates us. I think what separates me from, from other candidates is the ability to actually move the needle on some of these issues. And so my message to voters has been to prove know-how. Uh, today, I run a $100 million social enterprise... Today, I run a $100 million social enterprise that supports people with disabilities, launching their careers, living independently in their communities. Um, I've had a record of stepping up to solve community issues to help fund after-school programming for children, uh, taking on leadership of our community association and addressing big challenges that face us. Two decades in public policy experience. I haven't written the book on how to run a city government, but I taught the course for 11 years at Mount St. Mary's. Um, So I think what resonates with the voters in Ward 2 and the way I'm climbing this mountain is I'm focusing on what unifies us and I'm focusing us on how to get things done. And I'm talking about issues in real practical terms. Look, 
I think we're facing a structural deficit. I think if we don't address that structural deficit, it's going to make it harder for us to invest in the things we support. Um, but I'm willing to talk about it. I'm not going to give you a political soundbite. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it in detail. I'm going to talk about it with people I disagree with. You know, we're going to go back and forth and we're going to have vibrant conversations. But that's what we deserve uh, here in the city of Annapolis. And I think there's a lot of respect for that. My favorite comment I've gotten door to door uh, is knocking door to door here in West Annapolis. And a woman answered the door and she went, you know, I've never voted for a Republican, but I really respect how honest you're being on the issues. And you're going to have my support this November. I think that's what's resonating. There you go. Well, I'll tell you what, let's just forget the last 22 minutes that we've been chatting here, uh, because I've learned an awful lot. But I just moved here from Minot, North Dakota. Uh, got a little house up here on, on Tucker Street. What the heck? And um, I'm noticing all these signs running around saying vote for Scott Gibson. And I have Googled, figured out what the hell an alderman was. <laughs> and so here's your chance. We'll give up to five minutes. Uh, pitch me. Sell me. Why, am, why do I need to vote for Scott Gibson when we come? Oh, and before we get, I want to remind everybody that the election is Tuesday, November 2nd. The ballots will be mailed out probably the third week of October Everybody will get a ballot in the mail that is a registered voter. You can return it by mail. Make sure it's postmarked by the end of the day on the 2nd. Uh, Do it in a drop box, which are scattered around the city. There's locations. You can go to ionanapolis.net. We've got a listing there. You go to the city website and everything else. Or you can go old school, go into a polling location and actually, I would say pull the lever, but you connect the dots and, (laughs) and scan the paper. Um, so please get out and vote. It is so important uh, to get out and vote locally because it's really where it all starts. And the local people that are running for office have the most impact on every citizen in Annapolis's day-to-day life, much more so than anybody in Washington uh, ever could hope to. <coughs> no problem. So why you? So I, I look at it this way. The taxpayers in the city of Annapolis are investing $152 million a year into the city to get stuff done. I think when you look at the candidates, you should ask yourself, who's going to have the best chance of getting stuff done, of adding serious management, serious leadership to this $152 million investment? And I think my record proves that I'm your guy. Um, Our tax burden is higher in this city. I'm convinced that we can accomplish more with the funds we have, and I'm going to give the conversation about accomplishing more with the funds we have, the seriousness it deserves. I have a track record of running organizations over $100 million. I have two decades of public policy experience. I have crossed party lines to support both Democrat and Republican administrations. Mayor Buckley, when they proposed the DPW task force, uh, he asked me to serve on it. I chaired its finance subcommittee. Uh, are, are we picking up all of this? I'm sorry. Hmm. Oh, shit. No, no, we'll get it. We'll get it. When Mayor Buckley asked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you're fine. Oh, absolutely. Um, where do you want me to start back over for editing? I'm sorry. When Mayor Buckley, the DPW. Uh, when, when Mayor Buckley created the DPW task force, he asked me to serve on it. I ended up chairing its finance subcommittee. I was pleased to work with the mayor on evaluating that deal and offering guidance. In fact, uh, the finance subcommittee is one of the reasons why the DPW headquarters ended up going to Hudson Street. So clear record of working across party lines to get things done. Same time, Governor Hogan appointed me to the Community Health Resources Commission, where I manage or help manage the state's investment in health care 
uh, access and healthcare equity uh, throughout the state. So long, deep track record of running large organizations, lifting up communities to build a stronger, more connected community. Um, you know, I read in the paper that some of the candidates, they want to hire efficiency experts to help the city figure out these challenges. Well, the reality is, I'm the type of person they hire when they go and they hire these consultants. Um, I chaired a commission on efficiency, economy, and government to help uh, local government figure out how to improve its operations. Um, I'm going to go in day one ready for the job. There's no learning curve with me. So I'm going to give these issues the seriousness they deserve. I'm going to be able to help provide leadership for our city on its finances. And this isn't about slash and burn economics. What I'm saying is we're missing out on opportunities to make much needed investments in our community because we're being inefficient with our $152 million. I'm going to give the conversation about merging services the seriousness it deserves because I think the city can't keep assuming that every problem is a revenue problem and every solution is going back to your wallet. Your tax rates are already about 35% higher than the surrounding area. One issue we haven't talked about yet is the homestead tax credit. I'm the only candidate who's brought up the homestead tax credit. The homestead tax credit in the state of Maryland basically says to protect you in your home, we're going to cap assessment increases. Everywhere else in Anne Arundel County, they cap assessment increases at 2% per year. Here in Annapolis, we cap assessment increases at 10% a year. If I'm elected to the city council, I'm going to work to replicate Anne Arundel County's homestead tax credit to cap your assessments at 2% a year. Why? Because it's your home. It's not a cash investment that should be rated like some piggy bank to help balance the city's budget. There should be some stability there. Well, what does that mean? Let's, let's say for a moment you purchased a $100,000 home 30 years ago. If you were in the county and your assessment went up by 10% every reassessment, your tax bill would be a little over or right around $2,000. If you're in the city of Annapolis, that same home, your tax bill is going to be over $3,000. That's got to be part of the housing affordability conversation. We need leaders kind of talking about that to make sure that we can retire in place here in our city. That first-time home buyers who are a pink slip and a few mortgage payments away from losing their home, you know, can keep their homes because their tax rates aren't going up, not just because of the higher rate, but because of the faster-growing assessments. I'm also the only candidate that's out there really talking about the vacancy rate in the police force. And that's a serious issue that deserves to be addressed. One in five police officer positions being vacant is just unacceptable. It's why we're seeing the problems we're seeing with crime. Um, we do need to address the disconnect between the city council and the police force. We had the police chief walk out of a city council meeting recently because he was so frustrated with our city council. You know, again, all four reasonable reforms. I've called for them in the Capitol Gazette. But we need to solve this issue. We can't keep putting our head in the sand and saying the city's safe when our neighbors along Clay Street have faced two murders in the past year, bullets lodged indoors, two teenage girls shot and injured. It doesn't feel like a safer community for them. They deserve a leader who's going to step up and say, there's a problem. We need to start fixing it. And so that's what you're going to get with me, somebody who's going to put in the hard work, somebody who has the know-how, somebody who's going to ask tough questions and challenge the status quo when it needs to be challenged. Fantastic. Scott Gibson, thank you very much. How do we get in touch with you, learn about more about you? You're on Facebook. I know you said you're doing your AMAs and uh, website. Yep. So Facebook is Gibson for Ward 2. Website is www.scott-gibson.com. So it's Scott, the hyphen punctuation mark, Gibson.com. And email address is scott at scottgibson.com.
Once again, thank you very much for your time today. And again, get out, vote for the November 2nd election, the city of Annapolis. Uh, this will be open to Democrats, Republicans and independents and everybody that is registered to vote. But make sure you get out and vote. Uh, investigate the candidates that are running in your particular ward and the ones that are running for mayor and make an informed vote. Find out uh, who's going to do the best job for you, no matter where you live. And again, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionannapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.